I, I think I might be dyslexic also. And this has been happening just, just recently in my life. Just today, like someone tweeted at me saying like, oh, I'd love to like um, use your uh, tweet on my Facebook page. And I read it as, can you screenshot it and send it to me, to my Facebook page so I can use it? And that's, I read it and that's what I thought. And then when I look back at it and read it again, it was literally a completely different thing than I had like read and like thought in my head. Is that dyslexia or am I just the bad? It could like, be a reader? form. There's also, um, I forget what dysgraphia is. There's a couple of different like disses that are like close and like you can have multiples or you can have one or the other. Right. Like, um, I definitely see words differently. Like I make myself laugh all the time because I'll see a sign and I'll be like, that's ridiculous. And then I reread it and it's just a normal sign, but yeah. I just read a word differently. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the the classic dyslexia is like spelling, thing wrong, spelling things wrong, um, um, uh, your letters being different. Like I definitely write B's for D's and D's for B's. I, I, it's better and I catch them quicker. I um, see. Uh, seeing things differently, which again, might be part of dyslexia, but it might also be this other thing, which again, might be dysgraphia. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a thing with numbers that I always included it with dyslexia and it's somewhat uh, dyslexic, but then there's another thing for like dyslexia with numbers. So you, you might, like I, I've self-diagnosed or like, <laughs> like so I've diagnosed so many comedians. So like yeah. I remember being like, Bill Burr is definitely dyslexic. And then this is like years ago, a year later, he came out and was like, I'm pretty sure I'm dyslexic. And I was like, oh, sweetheart, you are. Right. Um, and then I was pretty sure Nate Bergazzi was. And I asked him, I was like, hey, were you ever diagnosed as dyslexic? He's like, no, I'm not dyslexic. And I was like, oh, sweetheart, you are. You are. Yeah, he has, <laughs> like, doesn't he have a bit about it now? That he's he might have a bit about it now. Yeah. This is like 10 years ago, like early okay, in our friendship, yeah, yeah. because yeah. like we like you can really see my dyslexia via tweets and Facebook posts. And I even had a a really close friend from high school, like maybe 10 years ago when all this stuff was like, when all this stuff was like all the time. Yeah. That was like, if you want to send me your tweets before you tweet them, Ooh. I'm happy to look at it. And that was the nicest way to go about it. Cause usually I just get these people that are like, it's, it's then not then you dumb fuck. And you're like, come on, man. You knew what yeah. I was saying, who cares? Yeah. Um, but you know, I can read something 18 times and it still comes out wrong. Like, and like, I just won't catch it right. and it is what it is. So even my newsletter now that I send to fans at the bottom of it, it says, Hey, I'm dyslexic. I did the best I can. Yeah. If you want to learn more about it, here's a video you can watch right. where I talk about it for 20 minutes, but right. I don't need you to spell check my newsletter. The whole point of writing in general is to communicate. And if you, if it's good enough that you know what I'm saying, yeah. it's good enough. It's not a book. It's not a dissertation you know, this isn't Harvard. Nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. As long as you get the point across, who cares? Who cares? How and I, yeah. I think that's what drew me to comedy because I've always loved writing, even though this has been a very challenging thing for me. Yeah. But the best part of stand-up is I get to write, but nobody reads what I'm writing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if it's you like, go through any comics uh, notebook, you would think they're crazy. Have the, oh. I don't know how your handwriting is, but it's literally chicken scratch there. Like I have, yeah. like, I write on the side. I have this weird thing, OCD with the paper. If it's not totally full, I can't move on to the next one. You have that too? Yeah, I will literally keep, and in my mind, I'm like, I can afford paper. Like, why am I doing this? But it's also like the way my brain works. And what's funny is I've always been doing that. Uh, Greg Stone and another comic, I cannot think of who they are. They had a first notebooks podcast. This is like five, six years oh, ago. I love that. And you brought in your first note. And I have notebooks from 14, 15, 16 years old because I started when I was 16. Yeah. And they're going through my notebook, already embarrassing. But they're like, you know what's kind of cool? You take up the entire page. Like, this isn't like an idea per page. Like, the whole page. And I was like, oh, I just... Yeah, I, that's I don't know. That just seemed like you needed. And then I'm always editing. The editing is where it gets nuts because you're crossing things out and there's arrows and right. It's do you insanity. do you like when you so you edit on the same sheet or do you like write? Because what I do is I rewrite everything again on a new slate and then I, I edit it because I just can't. It gets too messy and I, I just start like losing sight of things. Different forms. So like the first pass is without listening. So the first pass is I write it out like out. And yeah. then I'll, before I even say it on stage, I'm you don't need, nobody needs to know that Liz. Like I'm crossing shit out yeah, and I'm adding yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then I say it on stage, I record it. I listen to it. I transcribe the recording. I don't even look at what I wrote before. I just transcribe what I already yeah. did on stage. And then from there I start editing again. So I probably have the same joke like three to four times in each notebook yeah. as it progresses. And I do way more work 
than the average person because I'm dyslexic, because I need to, I'm so visual that I can listen to the audio and it won't stay there that I have to put it down on paper. And then eventually I've been typing more than I used to. Mm -hmm. If it gets too convoluted or I've made too many changes and I can't memorize it, I'll type it, then I'll print out the typing and then I'll start working off the printed paper. But I'm writing some version of my joke anywhere from four to 15 times as it progresses, especially because I'm really long-winded and my jokes are much longer than most people. So we're talking about anywhere from a two to six minute bit. And it just gets, it, it, there's so many jokes in there that need to be edited that it gets, like you said, it gets, it gets really out of control. Yeah. It's, and that's another thing too. Like you would think I was crazy. If you went through my notebook, it's literally the same stuff like over and over and over and over and over again. I've looked at like the beginnings of notebooks for like the, like the, the most recent one. And it's still the same stuff. I'm still working on it. And I'm just like, part of me is depressed. Cause I'm like, I still, I still haven't figured this bit out. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. But like some bits just come out of you fully formed and you just make little, yeah. excuse me, little tweaks and some, some bits take years. It's, it's just an, it just, it's the nature of things. And I come yeah. back to stuff and I have stories that like, I, I put on the shelf and I wait for something else to happen. Like some yeah. of my best bits is, is there's a story or a joke in there that I had no place. And now after experiencing whatever I experienced, I now know where to put it. Yeah. And I, I put so much pressure on myself to like, got to come up with new stuff or like, got to do this. Like as of people like watching my every move, you know, like I was doing a podcast recently and it was with uh, John fish. And he was telling me that like, her him and Carmen Lynch went to a club and the club owner was like, Oh, you can like do that stuff from the, the album. And Carmen was just like, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. Like, and like, I love that mentality because like, I get so in my head about like, Oh, I'm not doing enough new stuff. I'm not like, but I keep working on this. And like, I sound repetitive just to myself. And I feel like people somehow will know like my whole, like, like my act, but they don't. And Carmen's yeah. just like, I just going to do what I want. And I'm like, I love that. Yeah. That and you mindset. have to, you also have to, you have to have your own goals. Like, I think the best thing for me to relax was just what is, what is my goal? My goal is to, to constantly be putting out stuff that I believe in and that I'm proud of and to keep pushing myself and to feel connected to my jokes and to have uh, material and new hours that I can present both headlining and as albums or specials and however long that takes you and in what capacity you grow and at what, um, uh, uh, progression you grow, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much easier for me to develop an hour. I take about a year and a half, but yeah. it's much easier for me to do it than somebody that doesn't get as much stage time as me. So it's, sure. I, I write so much quicker now than I did even five years ago because I'm getting two to three times more stage time, better quality stage time. I feel Mm. more comfortable. I'm not worried about bookers looking at me or what have you. I have my own fan base. Like it gets easier, but also I understand how I work, how I create. And I, I don't care. Like, I don't care about bombing. Like I bomb all the time. And And bombing to me means that I'm, I'm creating new stuff. So I, I try to mix in about three new jokes every couple of months. And I used to track it. Now I don't really need to track it because it kind of is like an internal itch. Mm-hmm. But once my, and you know, the city is what, 10 to 15 minute spots. Yeah. So once my 15 minute spot murders, we're, we're too comfortable. So we need to start adding new stuff yes. in there. Yes. So yeah. certain, certain times when I'm at my 15 minutes is perfect, then I'm going to add uh, um, paid shows, I'm going to work in a, a joke or two that's new. And mm. then non-paid shows, I'm bombing for 10 minutes. I don't give a fuck. You don't pay me, I'll do what I want. And I then yeah. I really, and that ability to do new jokes. And like, again, a younger comic maybe can't bomb on a free show because that's how they're going to get recommended and people know about them. But yeah. I don't, I work everywhere. I don't care. I don't care yeah. what you think of me. So I, 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 my goal every time I go on stage isn't to get laughs it's, it's to grow. And so like, I was talking about this with Adrian Appalucci. She was like, Oh, have you put in your avails for Broadway? And I was like, I'll never do Broadway again. <laughs> like I, it's just, I can't grow there. I both yeah. independent shows and the regular shows. I don't care that they pay me. They're unenjoyable. I um, never get, I'm never able to work out new material. Nobody that culture there doesn't really like believe in my type of comedy or really support it. So that's, that's, 
that's just miserable to me. That's a you mean, waste of time. Do you mean the type of uh, clientele that comes in there? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm starting. So I work like the Broadways, the, 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 co- oh, I don't want to group comic strip in with them because comic strip is great, but like I work clubs that like, I don't work the cellar. I don't work the stand. I don't work Gotham. Um, like you're working all these amazing clubs where everyone is super pumped to be there and super happy. And I do have these feelings sometimes where I'm like, man, it's so hard to work on stuff because everyone's pissed off that they're here, you know, like Broadway, LOL, like, hey, hey, like, like people don't want to be there. They're, 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 they're getting screwed on drinks. And I know I, I could do like three sets a night, but I uh, like, I am like, like right now I'm like yearning, like a vampire for blood for like these, uh, these spots that you do where it's like the crowd's amazing and they get it, you know, they're good comedy but, crowds. But you're focusing too much on those are the clubs and I do the clubs, but there's just yeah. as amazing non-club shows that they're hungry. They're excited to be there. They're a perfect audience to test out stuff or just to have a solid set. You could get a tape out of it. Yeah. I think I, what I worry about young comics all the time is that they see the easy, what looks like the easy route, which is not the easy yeah. route, but what looks like the route they're supposed to go down and the easy route. And they focus on that and they forget that the goal is just to be good and to make this your job who gives a fuck if you get into the stand you get maybe a couple spots a week unless you're like the 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 favorites yeah and it's it's it doesn't matter at the end of the day it doesn't matter what matters is working so i spent probably 15 years not working the clubs a little bit a monday show here or whatever i got past a lot of clubs when i was younger but i'm not i wasn't like doing weekends when I was younger I was just doing like Monday paid spots sure, but sure. I I've always been a club comic but I've also always been an alternative and independent comic and where whatever work I'm getting I fill it in with other stuff and when a club starts to be a club or a room starts to be um less of a place that I can grow I leave it mm. whether it's a whether it's a club that I was getting paid at or it's a room that used to be helpful and is no longer helpful yeah. and I've done rooms with six people and got work out of it I don't care mm-hmm. if it's six great people or a, a, a thousand great people but they need to be people that want to be there yeah and that's yeah. why that's why Broadway is like a no-go for me there's certain rooms that like it's just not worth the effort but I'll do QED I'll do you know I just yeah. did um I just did this gig in uh, Greenpoint I've never done before. They were incredible. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. incredible. And that's, and you know, luckily I'm in a place where I get paid, but even all the young comics that probably weren't getting paid on it, that's a luxury. And mm-hmm. there's so, especially with the pandemic, all the rooftop shows and stuff like that, there is no excuse. Yes, it might be easier because these clubs are working you, but if you can't grow in them, get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hustle in a different direction. And I, I still, I live in Brooklyn. I still go to Queens. I still go to Bumblefuck places if it has value to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally, it's so good. I was at Broadway the other day and like I'm hosting and like, I'm already like, well, I'm hosting. So I probably won't be able to get that much work done in terms of like the new joke I want to do. I get on, I, as soon as I say hi to the crowd, someone screams out fireball. Just like, I'm like, Oh God. And like my whole hosting set, cause as a host, your job really is just to get the crowd ready for the comics. So that's my, when I host, that's my, the first thing I think of. Then I think like, all right, if they like me and this crowd's hot, I'll go into some material and like, or try some stuff out. But like, I couldn't, the whole 10 minutes, 15 minutes I was up there. I'm just like basically babysitting. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. And yeah, maybe you're right. Like I've been thinking like, like, like getting upset with myself, like, oh my God, like I need to get into better places. But also I think it's also like seeing where I'm from saying, is it, is this like, am I getting anything out of this really? You know? And it's like, you're spinning one every, your wheels. Was that? You're just spinning your wheels. I know. You're yeah, yeah. In one place, but but the 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 faulty mindset is that if I'm not in clubs, I'm not going this way. When really the whole goal is to be funny and to and to um, meet different comics and like this is all like who you know kind of yeah, um, yeah. business that you don't you just need somebody to recommend you for another thing or to find out about another, like it clubs don't really matter. Like it's helpful to come home and be able to make a little bit of money. But I, you know, even now where they don't pay as well as they used to, you know, you're making grocery money and you're doing some spots. Right. The, 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 like even at the cellar, like I love the cellar. I'm grateful for it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they have a new joke night every Monday. They used to have every Monday, Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the value is. Yeah, I, I love paid, that idea. Yeah, I paid to get new jokes. Even New York Comedy Club had a new material night before the pandemic. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm doing tons of 
free shows, even I always am constantly trying to fit in as many um, shows that I don't really care about with the ones that um, I do care about because there needs to be uh, an ability to work through new stuff. And so yeah. even during all this, I was during the pandemic, I'm doing weirdo Zoom shows for six people. Who cares? Yeah. It's as long as they're attentive and I can get work out of it. But I yeah. think people are always looking at they're confusing status for growth and yes. they're not they're not the same. Yeah, I can tell too. Like you're someone that like you you Dave definitely take the uh, control of your own destiny because you I believe you have two specials out on on YouTube. Yeah, so technically yeah. the you know the one one of them was just an the video from an album that I just put out. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, more recently, but the album came out uh, seven years ago. So I have right. two free hours um, on YouTube, and then I have another one I did in between those. That's yeah, I love that, and they both like I think the second one almost has a million views. The one, the first one has a million views. I'm like, I love that. You just like did it. Like you didn't wait around for whatever comedy central to take it and Netflix to take it. It's like, it's like not to say it would never happen, but it's like, you just took control of your own destiny. You put it out there, millions of views, you got your own fans. And here's the thing I think is the coolest about it. Cause um, didn't Bill Burr shout you out or shout out the, the last special. Yeah, he's always been really nice to me. I met him years ago, actually, through a friend of mine. Um, he's just a really supportive person in general. And I think yeah. he really respects people that do put themselves out there and do work really hard. Yeah. So he's always been nice to me. And it was actually on a limb that I was like, hey, I put out the special. I produced it myself, if you'd be willing to shout it out. And he's like, I got you. Wow. And then I saw him when he was in town getting ready for SNL and just very thoughtful. He's like, whatever you need, let me know. And I have a bunch so of comics beautiful. in my life at a, at a higher value that, that uh, take care of me that way. And I, I'm really grateful because, you know, I got into this cause I loved comedy and I just wanted to be able to see as much comedy as possible. I had very low goals. I was like, I just want to be able to get, go to free shows. Yeah. And now for people that I respect and, and grew up watching to be fans of mine and support what I'm doing is, I mean, I'm, I hope I go further, but if this is where I plateau, I'm grateful because I get to live the life that I want to live. Right. Right. I think too, it's like, um, here's, so, so do you, you asked Bill, like, like, as like a, Hey, if you know, I put something out, could you shout out? Like I'm struggling with that so much now. Cause I have like a, I've been talking, I, I talked to you about social media and I've talked to a couple of my friends and a couple like people that actually do it. And they're like, oh, you gotta like, one person literally recommended it. He's like, you gotta go to, uh, tell people to share your stuff. And I'm just like, oh, share my stuff. Like, God, like, how can I ask someone to do that? Like, do you, where do you, like, where do you see the line is kind of with that? So, like, so you start with your friends, right? people right. that love you no matter what. So, right. you know, my close friends, think of Carmen Lynch, Adrian Appalucci, Maria Shahada, Hari Kundabolu. Like I have, I have my crew, the people that if I ask, they don't even think I got you. Right. Then you have people that respect you. There's people that are always like, after you get off stage, you're like, oh, that was a really good joke. Or you see yeah. them at a show and you talk for like 10 minutes and they seem genuinely happy to be around, be around you. But they're not like your besties, but you would say they're a little higher than a coworker. Yeah. Then you have people that might know who you are, but they, you know, you're not sure what your relationship is. And then you have kind of like your heroes or whatever. Right. And they start to, they start to blur, but I don't, I don't, you don't want to, uh, um, abuse your friends, but, sure, sure. but I am a little more ASCII with my friends than I would all those other levels I said. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the only time I ask all the other people is when it's big. So coming out with a special, um, you know, uh, you know, certain things that I, I just need an extra push for, yeah, yeah. um, you don't, you're not asking every week for some, you know, I've asked Bill Burr twice <laughs> you know what i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. in the span of probably knowing him for 10 years um i've asked you know somebody like todd barry or whoever like you know me and todd are friends and he has a cat he has a bunch of cat jokes so my cat book coming out i'm like hey can you give me a blurb for my cat book yeah That's, that doesn't feel like a scary ask anymore i'm also asking him for a favor twice a year right right so so you need to have a a, a balance between it you know i've definitely had comics harass me and I'm like I don't fucking know you and no yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean like there's definitely a way to do it but like I've had young comics I didn't know very well they asked something and sometimes I go hey you know this is great but I I'm not in a position to share this or I don't feel comfortable but yeah. I wish you luck and like I've learned the boundaries of being honest but also not being pressured but I've also sure. went on you know even like non-comedy related I had somebody that was like hey 
you know, I'm putting out all this stuff during the pandemic, you know, it seems like you really like this kind of art. And I looked at it and I go, this is really dope. I'm absolutely mm. all happy to share this. Yeah. So there's something to be said about taking risks. I've done, I did a podcast for like two 20 year olds that like, were like, we would love to have you on, but we don't know. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. And they were yeah, awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was worried, like, I'm crazy. So in my mind, I was like, are these kids going to make fun of me? And then they were just like the sweetest 20 year olds. And I did this, po- they're like, nobody listened to our podcast. I was like, I don't care. This is so nice. Um, so you do need to go outside your comfort level and your boundaries, but you also need to be respectful and you'll find that line. I've asked people and you can clearly see that they read it and they did nothing. And you're like, I don't know if I got them at the wrong time yeah, or yeah. if I crossed some kind of boundary. You never know, and that's a risk that you take and you learn from that. Yeah. But you can't be scared to ask for favors. You just have to be understanding about how much value this favor is, when to cash it in, and yeah. and, and what relationship you have with those people. You know, yeah. Colin Quinn recommended me to uh, be at the cellar. Like he, you have to have two people recommend you, and yeah. Colin Quinn was my person. Wow, that's so, a big, it's a big one, yeah. So I remember asking him to retweet something maybe a year after that, because this is about four years ago. And right. he's like, hey, I don't, he goes, I don't retweet. He goes, I don't do that. Oh. And, and I go, okay, I respect it. And I'll he, take a seller wreck over a retweet yeah, any day. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's his boundary. And so I yeah. said, absolutely. Then a couple of years later, you know, my special came out last year and I go, hey, Colin, I know you don't retweet stuff, but I self-produced this special. He was actually going to produce my special at one point, but it wow. just became too much. Yeah. But, but I was like, hey, um, I was like, I know you don't retweet, but would you be re- willing to retweet this? He was like, I will never not retweet something so special. He's like, I got you. Uh, So it's like, you know, you, I now know that that's not something he does all the time. And that if I'm going to do it, it has to be like a super big deal. So that's, that's where you start to learn the boundaries in the, cause this is all unwritten culture to the point where you have somebody Mm. like Colin Quinn in his sixties that has only had social media for what, five to 10 years. This isn't part of his, he didn't grow up with these retweets and talking to celebrities. Like he, he's learning what his boundaries are with this. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure it out on your own and, and as you meet people. And some people are going to be honest about it and some people you're just going to have to catch a hint from. Yeah. I think just it also too, just being uh, respectful. As long as you're not being a dick or you know being too forward or just having common sense, even if, I guess, even if you like kind of get into that boundary, like we said with Quinn, he's like, he doesn't do that, but you didn't know until you asked, but you asked respectfully. He's like, Hey, I don't do that. And you're just like, Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. But you know, if you came across the, the wrong way and, uh, but you didn't, it's all that matters just about being respectful. And like, and you also catch hints, like, and like I've yeah. had, I'm very fortunate that a lot of my stuff has gone viral. So people that I never met before saw my stuff. So a good example is, um, nice. Sarah Milliken, she's a big comic in the UK. Brilliant. Mm. I, I've always loved her stuff. And she retweeted a video like six, seven years ago. And I was like blown away. I was like, oh my God, I love her wow. so much. This was so nice. So yeah. then two years later, I went to Edinburgh and I was looking for blurbs, like quotes. And so I reached out to her and I was like, hey, and I didn't know her very, I've never met her. She just, you know, she retweeted my thing. I said, thank you so much. I think you're awesome. Mm. And we had this like light Twitter friendship you're a comic i'm a comic you're a lady i'm a lady and so then two years later i was like i don't know if this is too much but i'm going to edinburgh would you write me a blurb and she's like dude i've written so many blurbs at some point it doesn't mean anything anymore i'm so sorry and i was like dude i totally get it and i've just slowly kind of kept her in the loop you know asked her if she wanted to get coffee i found out a uk comic that lives in la that i'm friends with she he's friends with her i ended up being in australia at the same time as my friend and Sarah Milken, we ended up going to her show yeah. for free and then getting pancakes with her. And oh, we met. So cool. And now we have this beautiful friendship. She's had Zoom shows that I've done. We were supposed yeah. to get coffee, but then COVID happened. Like, so, but you have to, there's, it's scary. I'm, I have a lot of anxiety. It's scary to put yourself out there comedically yeah, yeah. and emotionally. Making friends is scary. Dating is scary. But at some point, you have to go, if, if I just listen, to mm. how this person likes to be talked to and respect them and other people respect me. What's the harm in just asking worst case, the scenario, they say no. And I've been said no millions of times. And then yeah. you go, that's their boundary and you respect it. Yeah. So, but I think comics think this business is like, you push, you push, you push, you push. And you're yeah. like, you might push your way through, but you're going to make enemies. And I've never, I've never wanted that. And I've also gotten to the point where like, I've had comics ask me a favor. I say, sure. Then they ask me another favor and I say, sure. 
And then they ask me another favor and I go, Hey man, this is too much. A lot of favors. Like, yeah. I go, I go, I respect you. Good luck to you. But I, I feel like I work for you and this is, we're done here. Yeah. And like, not in a mean way, but like the fact that I even have to get to that point, it's like, you should get there before I say something. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's my biggest fear where it's like, they feel like, what am I, your manager? You know, like, you're like, yeah. Oh, like just like, I just need your help. But it's like, yeah. Like I know, like, especially if I'm asking someone for something, they're probably a hundred times more busy than I am. And just the fact, just the thought of them, like dropping what they're doing to do it for me. It, it just like freaks me out. You know, it's just like, I guess it's like a low self-worth thing. Like, I don't know, but, but it's, you also uh, make things really easy. Like I, I, I remember when I was asking people, this was early on, like if they mm -hmm. wanted to tweet something for me, I would, now it's super easy to retweet. This was right, before right. it's easy. I would write the tweet out. All you have to do is copy and paste it and do this. Like you make it also just stupidly easy for people to help you. Not, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's so funny how many people, when I was going to Europe a lot, people would be like, Hey, I'm going to Europe. Do you have any, you know, places? And now I have like a whole thing and I just kind of quickly edit it because, you know, clubs like die. A list, and, like a list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and it's yeah. really easy to the point where if you go, hey, I'm going to Europe. Do you have any things? I can just copy and paste yeah. and be like, hey, and like maybe I up take five minutes to update it. Yeah. But it still is all my connections, all my work. And some people would be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And some people would never get back to me. And I'm like, oh, you don't fucking worst. know how much work would like to me that's the ultimate like i'll never do a favor for you again yeah just say thank you just a thank yeah. you like, but like like i've had people like i've had people ask me you know for stuff i send them and they like they they just like it or like like yeah like just like the comment i'm like get the <laughs> fuck out of here with yeah. that you, know? you almost want to unsend the thing but then they probably already <laughs> downloaded it but it's the it's like the 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 I don't know if people are socially awkward or they think it's cool. Like, yeah, I got your, my information. Like I'm done with you. I can't, I can't, I wish I could get into those people's brains. Like all I, I probably say thank you too much to people that are doing me favors, you know? But I think, I think it's all a learning process and yeah. you, it's also you're, you're gauging things as you go along and that's really scary, but you also have to know that like most people want everybody to succeed and yeah. most people that are where I am or further know that there's enough room for everybody. Yeah. It, I think it's more the lower levels that it's more cutthroat and then it gets yeah. a little bit easy. It gets, it's like, it goes through peaks and valleys of easy and hard. Like, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I always, my, my, my theory is always like the people who are nice, like you, like Bill, I don't know Bill, but he sounds like a great guy. Um, they're super successful. They're super like happy and like kind of just like happy with their life. So they have no animosity. They're not going to screw anyone over. But the people in the lower levels, more insecure, not doing that well. I, I just think that, like it, it brings it out in people and they just start screwing other people over. Insecurity and, like, brings out horrible stuff. So to me, yeah. it's like when I know somebody's in therapy, I'm like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> so I want to ask you one question about your cat. How many cats do you have? I have one cat, but I oh. give off I give off the essence of many. Yeah, you, yeah, you have the. Uh, you definitely have like. It's not like the essence. It's more like the way you talk about your cat. I mean, you have a cat book, her, so I love her so much. I wrote a yeah. whole book about cats. Um, uh, I think if I had a different life, I probably would have more. But because I tra travel and what have you, so I, I only, I only have uh, one, and she's not even here right. She's with my mom. I have to go pick her up. Oh, nice. um, because I was, I was traveling. Um, I just, I have cat lady vibes. Yeah, my uh, I so my girlfriend right now is a huge cat lady. She has this uh cat, Alicia. She's a Siberian forest cat. She, I think she's home right now. So they do this thing. My my girlfriend literally just came home. The cat's probably running to the front door and like getting on her like just she just twirls for her like on the floor, like exposing <laughs> her belly, and she like she's probably doing it. Right, I'm probably comment commentating right now. She's gonna yeah. run belly, and then the cat goes, and then the cat. <laughs> Like, I hear it right now. I hear it right now. Betty Ribs. Yeah, she's laughing now. <laughs> but yeah, it's so funny because um, I was not a cat. I didn't hate cats, but I was a, you know, I grew up with dogs and like, I'm like, dogs are, are you know, the best cats. Who cares? They hate you. They're, wor they're the worst. And I got to admit, man, after, you know, being living with a cat for a year, I, I like it. They're so low maintenance. Yeah, man. I love that's, it. That's, that's the selling point. You have yeah. to like, really do work for a fish nobody even talks about it but a like fish yeah a fish screw you fish. gotta change it they try to do suicide when you clean the water they're just insane they don't but even know like, you are fish it's a new person every day when you say hi to them i have no idea but like to me it's funny i wrote a tweet yesterday that was just like i like dogs but i feel the same way about dogs that i feel about men like i just i'm not home enough to keep one 
Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and it's funny, a couple of people misinterpreted it as a shitty man joke. And I was like, no, it's a travel joke. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a, I'm not, because, because dogs, it's irresponsible to leave them alone. They're like having a toddler, but cats, yeah. I said, I said in a comment, I was like, cats are like 15 year olds. Like you, you're teaching them life skills and you just hope they don't wreck the house, but they're, they're pretty self-reliant. They're so independent. I love it. Like I used to get high. And when my dog would like, when I would come back home, my dog would like, you know, on my leg, running around, following me everywhere. I would get like freaked out. Like, dude, you love me too much. Like, Jesus, yeah, yeah. like, I, I God damn. This. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why, dude? And like the cat, it's like the cat's great. The cat, you come home loving, rubs her herself against you. And then if you want to play with it after, it, it does wants nothing to do with you. Yeah. I love it. My girlfriend wants, do you want, do you want more cats? Um, I do. It's just right yeah. now I don't have, like, I have two roommates. I'm traveling. Uh -huh. I mean, the time, like, I also want a dog. Like, I, I love animals and I would, I want a fur family as, you know, dorky yeah. as it sounds. But like, until I have a partner that can help share that, yeah. or I'm rich enough that I can pay for someone to always be taking care of it. Right now, I'm constantly leaving my car and my cat with my mom because I just, mm. and then like my cat's old, she's 16 and she's on medication. So when my little sister lived in New York, I could make her come over and pill my cat, yeah. but I can't, nobody, nobody has the vet care that I have. So now it either has to be boarded or it has to go with my mom. So it's like, yeah. because she's older and she has health problems, like it's just, she's become more high maintenance. Yeah. So, you know, when she dies, God, God help everybody. I will be such a mess, but yeah. I probably will take a little bit of a break because she, I want, I, I definitely want a couple of cats, but like, mm. I need to get my life together on some financial or, or datingness yeah. <laughs> before I can do that. Yeah. My, my, my girlfriend wants like 10 cats at some point. That's she's, she literally said like 10, like she just wants to like, yeah, obviously when, when money and everything and space, yeah, and becomes you, have the not space. An issue. you don't want to, you don't want to literally have to ask your cat to get off the couch. So there's space for you. But let me, let me ask you this. If you were to start, um, if you had a boyfriend partner, whatever, at what point would you start sharing the cat? Because I've been with my girlfriend. She's here, right? She just came home. She's yeah. uh, like two years. I've known the cat longer than the cat hasn't known. Like in the, in the, life, the span of the life of the cat, it's known me longer than it's not. Yeah. Um, at what point for you would you say you guys shared the cat? Well, if you guys break up, that's not your cat. I no, I, I know that okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, because I, I would I would fight. I would get legal about no, it. No, I think she, yeah, my girlfriend would probably stab me if I. If yeah, no, I don't to touch do that. my yeah. cat. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I, I like that she's fighting with you. <laughs> she says, why don't I pay for the food, scoop the poop? My, my, our deal is I, I pick up the throw up. The cat throws up a lot. I pick yeah, up my the cat throw does up. That. Yeah. Um, I, is it just like comforting? Like, like sitting in your lap while you're working? Is that what you mean when you say share? No, like, like, like just like, so we're a couple, you know? So it's like, at what point is it like our cat, not just her cat? Just like that's that. on, that's on you. Because think about yeah. if that, if this cat was a kid, at what point do you become Ooh, a stepfather? That's a good you, point. So yeah. you, it's, it's to you and your heart and how you treat this cat. So if you say this is I'm your dad now yeah. and you treat it the way it should be treated. If it was yours, then yes, it is your cat. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you have point, to yeah. be a good step cat dad. Like yeah, be a good step cat step dad. Up. Step up. A step up. Be a better step dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And like, I'm, I think I'm almost there. Cause like, I'll still like, I'll, the cats are, she's so cute, you know? And she does all these funny things. Sometimes I'll take pictures and post it on Instagram, like stories and like, yeah, it's never my cat. It's like the cat, you know, I'm very yeah, careful yeah. to not step, you know, the boundaries. But I guess when I start getting more comfortable with my cat, then maybe that's, but you, know, but you know, those videos where like, it's a stepdad and it's a young kid and like, he decides to like adopt the kid. Yes. Yes. Like, like legally right? videos and yeah, it's like yeah. a seven year old hugging him. And he goes, and he's like, daddy, <sighs> like you need to present your girlfriend and the cat with a piece of paper that it was just like, you're, I would like to adopt <laughs> you. And then go, your stories go. are going to be like, Look at my cat throwing up on my favorite shirt. Oh man, that's maybe that's the next step in our relationship, getting those legal documents <laughs> to share that cat. <laughs> you go to the shelter, she found it. You're like Absolutely, oh, yeah. I, uh, I hide the I hide the, the document in uh, in food, you know? Like a <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. All right, so Liz, let me ask you this. Where'd you uh where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? 
Uh, I grew up um, kind of half in Princeton. And then by the time I went to high school, I was in Pennington, New Jersey. New so Jersey, like central, okay. Yeah, Central Jersey. I went to Hopewell Valley Central High School. Also, the, um, Hopewell, New Jersey, right? Yeah, so Pennington, yeah. Hopewell, and Titusville are all three small towns that yes. all come into Hopewell Valley Central High School. Varies. I did that. Um, I don't know if you've done the Hopewell Theater. Um, I knew about ago. it, and I've known people have done stuff there, but I haven't. Yeah, yeah, very small town. I was driving through there, and it kind of felt like, well, I feel like I'm in like the middle of Pennsylvania. This is a yeah, no, it's very nice, tiny. nice and quaint. Everyone at the show knew each other, like on the first name. They give directions. Yeah, just go by, uh, take a left to Bob's house, make a right at Sally's uh, butcher shop. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's very small. So you went. So I just want to ask you this. Um, so you went? Did you have aspirations to? Did you go to Princeton? Uh, like the college? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's too close it was too close to my family like oh. even if i was smart enough to go to princeton yeah the last i wanted to go to california i wanted to get the fuck away from my family so i yeah so besides the fact that i'm dyslexic and i'm a moron i was never going to get into an ivy league school and if i did it would not be 10 minutes from my parents right. so um yeah i always i thought i wanted to go to california but then i had ended up starting stand-up when i was 16 and I was doing, I was coming to, it was about an hour and 15 minute train ride. So every weekend I would come into New York and I was just told that if you start in New York, you should stay in New York, yeah. which is, I think the best advice I was given to be um, the comic that I am today. So then I switched gears instead of trying to get to California. I was like, okay, I'll try to go to school in New York. Yeah. I really didn't want to go to school, but my dad was very peer pressury about it. And I was like, well, if, if, if he's going to peer pressure me, I'm going to go to the school I want to. So he wanted me to go to Rutgers. And he was like, you, I'll give you a car right. if you go to Rutgers because we'll be saving so much money. And you'll be and close to home. Yeah, and you, can, and you can drive into New York. I'm so glad I was smart enough to be like, fuck that. So yeah. I, my first choice was the new school because I didn't have to take science or um, math, which I was both a moron in. Oh. And I just wanted to do writing. So I, yeah. I first choice, got early acceptance to the new school, went to the new school. I'm surprised I finished, but I, I it was... Looking back, I wish I didn't go to college at all, right. but um, uh, getting being in the city, um, making the friends that I did and being able to do shows every night. Um, and, you know, I'm one I'm very privileged. My parents paid for college. So like yeah. I to me, I was able to get this very wonderful education. I'm still friends with a lot of my professors, but also had access to be able to do stand up every night. Yeah, I had a similar kind of, so I grew up in uh, Edison, New Jersey. I did go to Rutgers and I started stand up at um, when I was in college. So I took the that one in New Brunswick, the one, the one in New Brunswick. Yeah, okay. I took that Northeast corridor to uh, Penn Station every single night. Straight, yeah, pretty straight shot. It's not yeah, a no bad... transfers, no transfers. Yeah. Yeah, no. And like my parents both went to Rutgers. I mean, it's an incredible school. And mm -hmm. I just I knew I had done that already with high school and I knew I just wanted to be there every day so you're doing stand-up in high school going into the city uh every single night um when I was uh because I started when I was a junior when I was a junior I went every weekend so I would go wow. like Friday Saturday or Saturday Sunday and then when I got into college like I got accepted when I was a senior I convinced my dad to let me go Thursday through Sunday so then I would go back and forth every single day to do yeah. like and shows you, and stuff you were just like um, were you going with other comics, friends, Did, or were you just by yourself, notebook, writing on the train, get their spots, come back, rewrite on the train back home? So the the rule, my parents were pretty strict, although looking back, pretty liberal, because like I started in 2002, yeah. and I'm a tiny 16-year-old girl doing stand-up at night post 9-11, like a year yeah. after 9-11. Stand-up is like, like a late thing. You, you, you got to get that 120, was it 112 or 124 train back to Trenton? Like you miss, and it's crazy people at Penn State. Oh, oh yeah. They're all drunks and yeah. Jersey assholes. Um, we yeah. can say that. Jersey. Of assholes. course. Yeah. Just, just, pieces um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just pieces of shit. And so, um, so yeah. So in the beginning, the rule was either my parents had to come or some adult had to come. So I was doing open mics, I was doing bringers, and I didn't want my parents to see me. So they would sit right. in a Starbucks for two hours. Oh, and sometimes wow. I would do a show and it would go well. And I was a happy teenager. And sometimes it wouldn't go well. And he'd be like, my dad would be like, how'd it go? And I'm like, don't talk to me. You don't fucking know. Like just a yeah. mess. Yeah. So, so that was like the first year until I was about 17. And then when I could drive, the rule was I had to call when I got there and had yeah. to call when I was on my way home. And my, my mom grew up in Newark. She was still terrified of New York City. My dad wasn't a big fan of it. So yeah. 
even though my parents were scared and they didn't like the idea that their tiny teenage daughter was in the city by themselves, they didn't really stop me either. They had their rules. They were a little, I wouldn't even say overbearing. It seems pretty reasonable, but um, now it seems reasonable. I'm sure at the time, like if you forgot the call, they're like, Hey, what the hell? You're like, come on, man. And, yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, I, they're very, they were overbearing in other ways, but, yeah. but when it came to their teenage daughter doing stand up by themselves um, or doing it at all, they were, they were pretty open. And I'm, I'm very grateful because, you know, there's not a lot of people that start young, let alone what, you know, my parents. Well, yeah. Some parents don't even let their, you know, they won't even let their kids do stand up. You know, they hear about it. Like, what are you doing? Like, especially in high school, like, um, you know, I could totally see a parent being like, no, just like, you got to study, you got to go to school, you got to go to college, you got to like, or even like you have that even that other side where the parents are like, don't you want to hang out with your friends? Like, don't you want to go to parties? And like, don't you want to socialize? Why are you doing this thing? So I think your parents are pretty cool, to be honest, like just, yeah, I see that now. It took me like 15 years. Of course. Yeah, it always, it always does. So when, so did you, so you pretty much said that you were doing stand-up pretty much all throughout high school. So did you go to like any like parties or anything like that? Did you like hang so out? I was like doing drugs and partying since I was like 14. And then Ooh. I got into stand-up and I kind of let it all go. Like I stopped drinking. I stopped really doing drugs like, or I wasn't doing as much. And sometimes I would go into the city, do a show and then go meet my friends at a party. But I was like so behind everybody yes. drinking and drugs wise yes. that it wasn't fun. And I would hang out for an hour. I would have a beer and I was like, I don't really want to be here. Like everybody's acting like an idiot or they're making yeah. out. <laughs> and I would go home to the point where sometimes my parents, like I would wake up the next morning and they're like, oh, I thought You're- you were sleeping at Amanda's. And I was like, ah, she was tired. But really, they were all partying and it just wasn't fun for me anymore. That first, I was the same way. I was like blackout drinker, crazy. And I totally relate to like, you get there and you're just like, everyone's, you're just taking 10 shots to try to catch up with everyone. And um, and then there are also those nights where you're like, wow, everyone's really annoying when they're drunk, you know? Yeah. But I remember I would, you know, so I started uh, drinking too, like 14, but I didn't start doing stem cells like um, a junior in, in college. And then I, I gradually stopped drinking as much and like, cause I just wanted to do stamp and I was super focused. And I remember my mom, I like be up at like, start waking up at like eight, nine in the morning, getting up, like just not hung over or like, and my mom would look at me like expecting me to be hung over. And when she saw me like talking normally, like making breakfast, she'd be like, Oh, like, this is like a, a new person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was such a miserable kid in high school that I I was still depressed. I was still sad, but I had like a new drive and I felt better and I felt like I was finding myself in some way. And I felt less lost that they don't know how much drugs and alcohol. My mom kind of knows now uh, just because of all the jokes, but I I don't know who I would be if I didn't find stand up, both uh, emotionally with how depressed I was, but also just the fact that I was using drugs and alcohol as a form of numbing and feeling better and then comedy filled that void so much better while also in a healthier way absolutely like i totally relate and for me it's like i had no like uh like backup plan or like no like prospects of anything else like in college i was literally undecided until i started doing stand-up with my major and then i switched to like english and like theater and like artsy stuff and it kind of sounds like the same, it was the same with you. There was really no, like you went to school for art, but there was no other, like, like I just find it like people that are doing stand up and they're like, oh yeah, but like I was like a whatever engineer for a little bit or like they still have like that job and they do stand up on the side. I feel like there's like a different type of a drive with them, you know? Yeah. And also, you know, I always tell the people that are engineers and lawyers and whatever, like keep your job. And yes. still, you know what I mean? Because what are you going to be a waiter and you're going to make $9. So you're going to be miserable, more tired and can't pay your bills as opposed to you're going to be tired, be able to pay your bills. You have more opportunity. Anybody that has money has more opportunity than somebody that doesn't have money. And it doesn't matter. You're going to have to pay your bills. So you're going to be tired regardless. Yeah. Um, So I'm always like, keep the job until you don't need the job, but people underestimate how long it takes to make a livable wage. Oh yeah. Uh, And livable is what I mean. Just livable. Not, Not like, I, I joke about it on stage where I say, you know, we don't make a lot of money. I'm fine with that. Like I traded, I traded money for like just being able to curse at strangers. I'm grateful. I'm not complaining, but I've lived a very small, look at me. I decorate 
like a child. Like, yeah. and I'm fine. I don't care that I have two roommates. I love my roommates. I like my life, but I'm, I know I'm a 35 year old woman living a college life and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And then as things started to get better the last couple of years, I was living medium. I'm out here, I'm buying stuff on Amazon. I don't even need, I don't have to worry about budgeting like I used to. I'm like, was in a good place. And then the pandemic happened and it all went back Ooh, down. Yeah, I know. But I spent 15 years of my adult life living small that it doesn't bother me if I have to make peanut butter and jelly. It doesn't yeah. bother me that I still live here because I get to do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And so for me, you know, if money is your drive, I don't know what to tell you. This isn't where right. you're going to make a lot of money quick. I think some people, I think we're just fulfilled by different things. We're fulfilled by kind of doing, working on our own schedule, doing our art. And I think a lot of people that are, you know, working for someone else, basically, I think they get fulfillment from stuff, you know, like whatever, a lot of money, Amazon stuff, like a nice apartment, like, you know, you know, and then people start like, you know, some guys, you know, they start making a man cave and like that, they got a little baseball thing down there. And like, that's like, that's what like fulfill like drives. Then they have kids and stuff. And like, that's kind of their life now, you know, but I think we're just, our fulfillment and satisfaction in life comes from just my freedom. Yeah. My freedom and being able to do and be who I want to be is way more fulfilling than an apartment, you know, like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So why were you, um, so what got you into like the drugs and stuff at such an early age? Friends. Friends, friends, your pressure. Um, I wouldn't even <laughs> like say you want to be cool is. I wouldn't even say it was peer pressure. It was just like yeah. I didn't have a lot of friends. My friends started uh-huh. doing it. I was I, I was pretty indifferent. I was depressed, and then you know you do it and you feel less depressed and yeah. you feel less anxious. I was a fourteen year old girl going around saying I'm just really chill. That is so funny because I am one of the most anxious, just unchill people, but I was smoking so much pot and I was drinking so much that, yeah, that's, that's why people do it. It calms your nerves. It chills you out. But like, I didn't, I now know I was having panic attacks. I had no idea. I had anxiety. I had no idea. I was depressed. I had no idea. I have all these clinical issues. Mm. I had no idea besides just being stressed out of my mind because of my home environment. So I was unhappy and, and rightly so. And I was doing the best I could with the resources I had. I don't know if they were wrong. I'm, I'm fortunate that I had a good enough support system and I have a strong enough will that yeah. it didn't become a habit. But I think it was the perfect solution at the perfect time. And, yeah. I'm, and, and as soon as I found something better, because I didn't love it. I liked pot until pot stopped, until pot started giving me more anxiety. And I was like, yeah. what happened? what happened with the levels? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, and I don't do anything now. I quit drinking five years ago because I had stomach issues. I quit smoking Ooh. pot because it was leading to more panic attacks. So I quit yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I really don't do anything other than sugar. I, I like my sugar. <laughs> um, so I'm super unfun, but I, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I, I'm living a life that I want to live. So I, I, I don't look at 14, 15, 16-year-old me and think, you know, what a what a mess i i think oh with what she was going through she did the best she could yeah i think you got it got it out of the way like early you know it's like that's how i look at it it's like i was blacking out and then 21 i was like all right look like this is old you know and i was feeling like shitty you know and i i, I look at the people now like you go to a bar now you see like 30 year olds getting blacked out or even comics like sometimes you go to a comic a comedy club and they're all blacked out. And they're like in their thirties, forties. I'm like, damn, dude. It's like, and a lot of times you ask them, and like, some of them are like, yeah, I didn't start drinking until I was like 25. You're like, holy shit. Like, I think you want to get all those kind of like boozy and drug years when you're a kid, because uh, one, you can't, you know, if you get in trouble, you can't really go to jail. And two, <laughs> yeah. it's just like it's the part of your life where you can you can afford to kind of like take risks and stuff. You know, I think once you're yeah. older you get a DUI when you're 30. You're like, all right, dude, this isn't fun at all. Yeah. yeah. There's real consequences and being an idiot when you're a teenager, you're going to be an idiot regardless if you're on drugs and alcohol or not. Yeah. Also, I, I see some of my peers, you know, down this kind of, uh, um, substance path. And I just think, all right, what's going on? Like you, you need something more. Like I, I was still pretty miserable in my twenties, even though I stopped doing most of these things. I went to therapy. My, I had a boyfriend at the time. 
who I, you know, I was in love with and I had my best friend and they both at different times when I was 24 was like, you aren't okay. Mm. And that makes you sad. But then I think my two favorite people say there's something wrong. And if they think I should go to therapy, maybe I should listen to these people that love me. Yeah. Best decision I've ever made. And therapy. And therapy. therapy. Best Therapy's decision great, I've ever yeah. made. I'm a better comic because of it. I'm a better person because of it. I'm a yeah. better friend because of it. I'm a better coworker because of it. I am a shadow of the person I was 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm just grateful that I was at least smart enough, even in my sadness to know that I'm not like the same way somebody might have to go into AA or something else just to realize yeah. this is out of hand. Like yeah, I, need, I need to fix this. I need to fix this. all my ideas have led me to here and I right. hate it here. So maybe I, I should listen to someone else. I literally, I was single for I don't know, the longest time until I uh, started doing therapy. And then I met my girlfriend like, like four, like, I don't know, four or five months after. So yeah. <laughs> it just shows you it works. Yeah. Um, go to therapy, get a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's how you want to get laid. Go to therapy. <laughs> Dude, ten- you got some vulnerable people in the waiting room. I'm just saying. <laughs> So do you have any like um, stories that have always stuck with you, like from high school? Uh, what kind of stories? Just like, I don't know, like, uh, just like some, like, you know, like if anyone were to ask you, like, like I'm asking you, like anything, like, uh, like any lasting, or maybe your, what's your favorite memory from your uh, time in high school? Oh, favorite memory. Yeah. Um, I don't, so I, I don't have a lot of memories, uh, a little bit of drugs. Also. A lot of drugs, yeah. I learned about disassociation. I was very shut down and okay. I actually have very few memories of my childhood. Um, probably until I was about 25, if I'm being honest. Um, really? really? Wow. Yeah, I've learned more about it, but basically because of childhood trauma, I know how to turn off. And I, I probably literally wasn't attached to my emotions until I was in like my late twenties. Wow. Um, and that's one of the reasons I feel better. I actually feel my emotions, but even like like if you said something that really triggered me right now, I know how to just shut off and I can be emotionally present, but I just like, I get very robotic. It's actually why I wrote like a whole animated series about robots. I've always felt very close to them. Yeah. I, I just, I, I just wasn't really present. And I lived in this fog for a long time. And I was actually telling a friend recently, I remember being in college uh, in this writing class and you had to read your stuff. And this mm-hmm. guy go and people talk about your writing and this guy goes, um, and everybody said nice things. And this guy goes, you don't seem happy. And I was like, oh, I don't have feelings. I said that to somebody and that's, yeah. and, 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 and that's how I felt. Like I just felt so detached. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot of strong memories right. from high school, but I would say the first time I ever did stand up was with two. I'm still friends with two out of the four girls that came. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, I, we spent spring break in Brooklyn and uh, we slept on my friend's aunt's floor. And I did, I, the, the seller had a bringer show. I did a bringer show when I was 16 and my girlfriends yeah. came and I had quit. I'm a sugar addict. So I had quit Coca-Cola and smoking until I did stand up. So there's a picture of me chugging a Coke while smoking a cigarette after I the first that. time I did stand up. Yeah. Um, that picture is somewhere. And then, um, uh, I didn't know how to hug people. This is like a very silly memory. And this is one yeah. a couple of girls I went to school with, but I was friends with all these punk kids in Princeton. So we'd go to Princeton every weekend. And right. a lot of those guys came to the city and would see me do stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I didn't know how to hug people. I, I wasn't really touched as a kid. Like we weren't a touchy feely family. And I was, I hated being touched. I was really weirded out by it. Yeah. And they had a whole seminar. My, my 15 year old friends had a seminar on how to hug. Yeah. And we would do all these different hugs. And I, I forget what his name is. I want to say Graham or Grant or something. It was this really tall, hippie yeah. looking kid. And he'd be like, okay, let's do it. Nope. Nope. You seem stiff. Let's do it again. And like, people <laughs> would hug in front of me. and looking back, I think that's, and they didn't make fun of me because I was weirded about hugging. They're like, well, we got to fix this. And now yeah. I'm a comic that hugs people and I still don't enjoy it. It's actually my favorite part of COVID, yeah. but I know how to not be a weirdo about it because I would just wasn't, I didn't grow up in a loving family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that thing oh. to say. I'm the same. Hugging is, um, hugging is weird. Like, what do I do with my arms? Your whole body kind of tenses up. Like, like I'm just it's constantly in like doubt of like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Like, like pretend like, it and just, you, yeah, it's just, yeah, it just it, it's foreign. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of, oh, there wasn't a lot of hugging in my, in my uh, family either. So 
it's just it's just really weird and it's just one of those things from therapy you learn you just like embrace it and then whatever you're feeling like don't like 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 push it down or ignore it you know and just kind of like it's kind of like dancing almost where you just just let your body go yeah yeah Yeah, next thing you know you got your you're just squeezing too tight you know you like lending someone (laughs) and i can see it like you know i'm even if i do hug it's very short but i've had friends and my mom's like this my i've like i've probably cried in front of my mom four times and my Mm. mom's just kind of like Right, pat in the back, it, yeah. It'll be like, you know, like, she doesn't know what to do. I've seen my mom reach out and then take her hand back. And I just want to be like, mom, just try. But I remember a friend of mine, she just started crying in my arms. And I was like, okay. And I would hug her. And then I was like, how long do I have to do this? For? Right, right. And I, and I yeah. love her and I want to be there. But I can, I, I now have the awareness that I'm like, oh, I hate this. And yeah. I'm not good at this. And I have to literally go just be there they'll pull away when they're done it's not about you right yeah yeah but in my mind the whole time i'm like just very awkwardly present and i'm like do i look back yeah (laughs) that's my job here i was a big i don't know if this is too going too far but i was a big when i would like make out with people my eyes were always open (laughs) somebody had to be like (laughs) yeah they're like well they never they never knew because their eyes are closed they're like in it like they're just letting their i'm just looking like the whole time like oh boy yeah yeah. like like a psycho yeah but it's just it's just hard to like gonna like that's why i'm a terrible actor i i i I don't know if you do any acting but like it is so hard for me when i would go to these acting classes i would have teachers literally like get so frustrated with me because i just can't get a like let the emotions take me away i'm so in my head i'm so this and that i had an acting teacher once we were doing the scene and i couldn't get like angry enough so she literally had some dude in the class who was like a, a teacher's pet, like literally like start smacking me around. Like he would do the lines and then push me and then like, like just slap me in the face and like try to fight me. And then like the whole time she's like, you don't feel angry yet. And I was just like laughing. I'm like, I can't, like, I can't, this is just lines. These aren't, this isn't real. She's like, get the emotion. And the guy's like kicking me in the stomach. I'm like, I can't, I can't get mad. That takes a while though, because I was very disconnected with my emotions too, and I hated acting because of it. Yeah. And now I feel so much better. I feel more present on stage. I feel like I act better if I do have to do scenes. That took yeah. the same, but I was so disconnected with myself that they were asking me to do something I couldn't even do in my real life, yeah, let alone yeah. in this fake world. And now that I feel closer to my emotions, understand my emotions, can be present for my, my emotions, can identify my emotions. I can, I can be a better actor and a better performer for my own words. So that just takes, I think that's going to take time in, in you connecting to yourself. And as you become a better comic, I actually think you will become a better actor just because you will be able to identify things better. I hope so. I hope so. Cause I I auditioned for these things. I just embarrassed myself (laughs) three times. It's all practice. (laughs) Nothing matters. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of memories that you said from, uh, from high school. Um, but you sound, it sounded like you were like, Oh, we went to uh, this, this uh, punk thing that weekend. Like you were doing drugs, with your friends. So you had like a, a lot of friends. I, I did. I mean, I don't know. I had, I ended up having a group of three girlfriends that I was close with and I'm still yeah. close with uh, two of them. And these punk kids, a lot of my friends dated them, you know, that they became a, one of them married them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're not as close anymore, but like it, it's, it was a community, but I don't know how connected I felt to that com- community. I was like sexually assaulted by one of them and I dropped Ooh. out for a year. Like yeah. I-, I was, I was all the things that would happen as a teenager that could, could happen or whatever. Like I, I was dealing with trying to make friends, not liking myself, being severely depressed, taking care. Like I raised my little brothers. Like I yeah. didn't, I give so much credit to uh, my girlfriends at that time. They encouraged me to do stand up. When I finally told them about the sexual assault, they were there for me. But like, I had to um, manage a lot of stuff on my by myself because my parents weren't emotionally present, and I couldn't uh, open up or be present. Like that's why I was doing drugs. Is when I had feelings, I was like, I hate these. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For me, the only reason I drink now is just because like. To, to, to literally stop giving a shit you know i just care so much about what's going on in life now just like like what do i gotta do next like what gig what what, what, what do i gotta like what instagram post and like when i drink i just stop just stop caring and i can be more yeah. in tune to my emotions you know and like it's just like an escape from anxiety yeah um so did you do um 
So a couple more questions. Do you do and did you do I anything? I get out of here in like five minutes. On oh, five? Okay. Yeah. All right. So then we'll, we'll just wrap up. So if you can go back in high school and change anything, is there anything you would change? Um, I would have started even earlier if I think about it. I wanted to start at 15, but I was Stand scared. Up, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I okay. was scared and, and, and I was waiting for somebody to tell me I could and what have you. I would have um, never gone to college. I think it was a fucking waste of time. And mm -hmm. I would have actually started going, I would have taken classes or gone to school for like screenwriting or something. Right. Um, if I could do it over again. Although I love my friends. I'm still friends, like I said, with some professors. Um, and I know it definitely educated me. Um, I got out of high school as fast as I could with the best, like I, I think I did the best I could with what I had. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I was very scared. I was very depressed, but I think I did a better job than most people in a lot of ways. And yeah. um, I could, most of the things I would change, I couldn't change. I can't change my parents. I, you know, I can't change um, how well, I well, react. The question is, is unilateral. You can be like, you could, you could literally change your parents. Like literally you could change whatever you want. But obviously I, that's that's a You know, I wish my parents didn't have my brothers. I love them so much. I do. I love my brothers, but yeah. you know, I'm one of five kids and I was Oh wow. I I was a tiny parent. I was responsible for my siblings. People mm. didn't even know my mom existed because I was the one that picked them up from all the events and stuff like that. I was interesting. I I had so much responsibility that I was I'm less stressed today than I was at fifteen. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so that's saying, a, I, that's saying a lot. Yeah. So I, you know, I love, I love my brothers. Um, yeah. but they don't, if they didn't existed and I was just one of three, it would have been a different upbringing. It would have been a, a whole different life. Right. But I'll, I'll just say this, um, from what it sounds like, it's like, like you wish you started earlier. You wish you'd, um, uh, did, I, I really think it's like, there are so many people that I come through, come in contact with in comedy they're like, they don't start till they're like 35 and have a real job and a family. And the fact that you started just in high school, I'm, I'm envious. I started in college. <laughs> I wish I started when I was two doing stand. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be a prodigy right now. Yeah. So you started, I think you started at a, 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 of course, like, it's like, what is it? Grass is greener. Like you never satisfied with like kind of, you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's like, but I, I honestly, it sounds like you started like at a really great time and like, um, I wish I went to therapy. My, I got put into therapy when I was a that's teenager. A good one. I went for a couple of sessions. My dad was like, you can either talk to a therapist uh, or talk to me every day. And I was like, therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of weeks. I didn't, I wasn't, my parents shit on therapy. So of course I went and I was like, this is voodoo and I don't like it. Yeah. So I wish, I wish I, cause I had a friend that was in therapy when we were teenagers because of, um, her parents divorce and some other uh, horrible things. And right. Um, I wish, I wish I, that's the thing I wish I did in high school or even early college. Cause that would have made a difference because a lot of my lack of success in life and in comedy uh, could have been fixed earlier if I had just understood stuff and understood myself and just was mm -hmm. emotionally, I just wasn't mature enough for what I was doing. And it, oh. and I, I I've had I, to let that go, but. I agree. That's actually one thing I never, I asked a question every, every episode. And that's actually something I've done like a hundred of these. And that's actually something I wish I did earlier was uh, yeah. therapy because I had so many problems. And it's just like, when you grow up, I don't know if you grew up this way, but therapy is just like, what are you crazy? You know, you don't need that. What? What are you a wacko? And that's yeah. totally not what's, what it is. You don't have to be wackadoodle doodles like schizophrenia to have to go to therapy everyone should probably go to therapy i think honest. everybody should go and my parents my parents had one of the both had some of the worst childhoods i've ever heard they definitely should have gone they yeah. downloaded their crap onto us and then we got more crap so like you know my dad went for a little bit i wish both my parents went for a little bit and never kept up with it and i mm. i would love for them i think they would be so much happier if they went so i'm i'm such a like even if you think things are great, fucking just go. It's so helpful. Yeah, you'll learn a little bit no matter what. Okay, Liz, I, I appreciate you doing this. Do you want to plug uh, your stuff for the, the listeners? Yeah, I have a, a new book called Why Cats Are Assholes. Um, <laughs> you know, find out find out why. Um, so yeah, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, IndieBound. Um, but it's just 200 pages about cats, cat jokes. Um, and then right. I have my latest special called self help me that's free on YouTube, my first hour, um, emotionally exhausting also on YouTube. And then there's a middle hour you can Spotify, you know, stream or, or um, 
by and I'm starting to tour. So you can go look at my tour dates. Yes. Go check out Liz. Liz is is so goddamn funny. And my girlfriend and I, we actually are, I think we're doing a date night tonight. When I come home from the spots, we're going to watch the new special. Yay. She's going to love my cat jokes. I have some good cat jokes. I think you and her, I mean, honestly, if, if I was blind now and talking to you, I would have thought I was talking to my girlfriend. You guys have. Oh my God. She must be so awesome. The cat, the (laughs) robot, the robot thing, bro. She, that that was our running joke for the first year we were dating a complete, complete robot. Like when she would like try to express any emotion, it'd be like, Oh my God. So it's, it's a, it's an animated web series um, about two broken robots that are adopted Mm -hmm. by humans. It's called damaged. It's also free on YouTube. So the we can full, find it, it on your on your page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If okay, you look we'll at it, it you'll find it. So it's it's twelve two minute episodes, and it makes what my pilot would be. I think she would like it. It's for kids, but it's it's about broken robots. I think you uh, you two have so much on the the the, the similarities list. I think she will enjoy. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, throw it over to her. All right, Liz. Thank you so much for coming on, and I'll see you soon, hopefully. Yeah. Thanks so much, dude. I appreciate it. Bye.